We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, January the 27th, 2020. On today's show, I'll break down South Carolina's 90-64 to win over the Vanderbilt Commodores. I'll talk about the game, break it down in its entirety, what was a very hot shooting night for South Carolina, the Gamecocks getting back to 500 SEC play, what it all means, and why I think South Carolina has a major chance to take this momentum and go on a hot streak, go on a hot run the next couple of games. Also, I'll give my opinion on Shiloh Sanders as he speaks out on his baseball tryout or lack thereof, obviously speaking out, responding to Mark Kingston and responding to the comments made on social media. Dion, what he said as well. What does it all mean? I'll talk about that, give my opinions, why I actually side with Mark Kingston and the baseball staff in this regard. Uh, your listener questions as well. And we have a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks outfielder Alex Destino that I know you are sure to enjoy. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast new to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. They're cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, whenever you're making a big-time life decision, whether it's you're buying a new car, you're, you're buying your first house, you're buying your dream house, you're buying some land, you're spending a sum of money, whatever it may be, when you're making a big-time life decision, you want to go into it as comfortable as you can be, as confident as you can be. And how do you do that? You surround yourself with the right people the right team in place, the right support system. Ag South Farm Credit is that lender. If you're looking again to buy your first home, your dream home, you're getting a mortgage in general, you're buying some land, whatever it may be, Ag South Farm Credit is that lender that's going to make the process super simple, super easy, and they're going to be there for you every single step of the way. One of the questions they, they get asked most often, obviously, with their name being Ag South Farm Credit, the name having farm credit in it, is it just for farmers? That's something everybody wants to know. So not at all. Their mission is to support rural America, and that can include just about anything that involves the purchase of land. So a lot of their customers are those that just want a piece of property outside of town they can live on. So you absolutely do not have to be a farmer. Anyone can use the services and the people over at Ag South Farm Credit. If you have more questions about what Ag South Farm Credit can do, give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. That's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C.com 
slash TSUS, Ag South and Eco Housing Lender, NMLS 619-788. So again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash TSUS, or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, let's get into it. the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Happy Monday to everyone. I hope your Monday is going well. If you're commuting to work right now, if you're sitting in the office or whatever you may be doing, appreciate you guys tuning in. Start of a fantastic week. And these shows are always more fun when we get to talk about a South Carolina victory. Obviously got a packed show. We're talking about Gamecocks and Vandy on Saturday night. Shiloh Sanders, I know, is a hot topic of conversation that I really want to speak on and close the book on it necessarily because I don't want that to linger. I just want to speak on it, give my opinions. Um, got some fantastic questions and obviously a great, great interview with Alex Desino. But I want to start, obviously, on the hardwood. I was in the building Saturday night, as were many others, by the way. Kudos. Before we even get in the game, kudos to Gamecock Nation, the students, the fans, everyone showing up and showing out Saturday night. I thought CLA was rocking. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Not exactly sold out, but a really, really good crowd. I was very, very impressed with Gamecock Nation, just how into the game they were. And South Carolina did not disappoint. Gamecocks win the game 90 to 64 over Vanderbilt. Gamecocks opened up as a 12, or excuse me, opened up as an 11 point favorite. I think they closed as a 12 point favorite. Uh, was a game that really went how I expected. South Carolina was the better team, but it felt so good to watch a South Carolina team come out and do what it was, it, do what it should have done, do what it was supposed to do. You know, how often have we seen the Gamecocks? You know, it's funny, I was joking before this game with a buddy of mine that. These are the games that scare me the most because South Carolina is supposed to win. Again, you were a 12-point favorite. You know, it's almost like there's less to lose in a game where you're the underdog because if you lose, you were supposed to anyways. If you win, it's a big surprise. In games like this, obviously, I mean, Stetson, you think of that game. I think South Carolina was like a 21-point favorite and lost the game. But very impressive what South Carolina did on Saturday night, coming out winning 90-64, to getting a 26-point victory, and just how they did it was just as impressive as well. Again, anytime you can beat a team, in SEC play, I know Vanderbilt's not a good basketball team. They're now 0-6 in SEC play. But when you can get a big win like that, um, you know, it, it is very impressive. Let's talk about the game a little bit. Again, I was just so impressed that, again, we've seen South Carolina come out in games like this and be the favorite and come out sluggish and, you know, really just lay an egg. I mean, we, we've seen it a couple times this season. I thought the Gamecocks looked very focused. There was a lot of energy. There was a lot of excitement. Again, I think the crowd did play a part in that. But – I mean, you take a look at what South Carolina did, really doing exactly what I expected them to do. Shoot 54% from the field. You shoot 39% from three-point range. Heck, you even shot 71% from the free throw line. I mean, 17 to 24 from the free throw line is an improvement for this team. You outshot them at the free throw lines. Uh, Vandy shooting 60%, 21 to 35. So, really all around a great shooting night for South Carolina, led by a couple of different guys. Justin Manaya, what a night he had, 14-4-2 – excuse me, 14-12-4. For him, had a double-double, Mania really good. And he has been really, really good over the last couple of games. Someone that, you know, I talked about one of the best things, one of the best things about this team is that it isn't just one guy. It's not like if this one guy has a bad night, then the team will have a bad night. Like, you have different options at the guard position. I love how we're seeing different guys step up. But when this, when Justin Mania plays well, it seems like this team really does play well. I don't know what it is, but when he's on his game and he's playing well, this team seems to feed off of that. I, I do want to give major kudos, by the way, 
to A.J. Lawson because he was a guy I talked about on Friday. You know, is this the game he can break out? Is he finally going to show up? Yada, yada, yada. He comes out 14 points for him, one rebound, one assist, but 14 points, six for 11 from the field. I thought he shot the ball very well, two for six from three-point range. But I think we saw some good signs of him sort of getting back on track, getting in that rhythm that is A.J. Lawson. He had some open looks, and when he did, he hit him. So um, I thought the Gamecocks are very good there in that regard. Also, Alonzo Frank, 13 points. Jalen McCree, 11 points. Really, really impressed what those guys did down low. Um, both guys having phenomenal nights. I mean, I, I think uh, – you know, Frank was, you know, really good. He was obviously really good Saturday night for South Carolina. It's, it's, it's interesting there, too. It's like down low. Different guys stepping up every single week, you know, Wilden's, or every single game, excuse me. Wilden's Zavec just two points. But I honestly thought he played fairly well down low. Um, for whatever reason, though, Justin Minai, I mean, 12 rebounds. He had six offensive rebounds. There wasn't another game caught that even had one or had more than one, excuse me. He had six offensive rebounds. He had six of South Carolina's 11 offensive rebounds just to kind of put it in perspective there but overall I mean a, a huge win for South Carolina and again it's it's a game that you came into you should have won you expected to win but to actually go out there take care of business I mean how many times have you guys tuned into this show or went on social media after a game that's like we should have won and we just didn't we laid an egg whatever happened not this time I, I thought Frank Martin did a great job of getting the guys ready to play you get the 500 SEC play now you're sitting at three and three overall in the SEC and like I talked about last week, you really have an opportunity, I think, to go on a run here. You know, you go – at Arkansas is going to be the toughie, for sure, out of the, out of the upcoming stretch. But if you, can, if you can find a way to win that Arkansas game on Wednesday, you go to Arkansas, you've got Mizzou at home, you're at Ole Miss, A&M at home, at Georgia. you got a chance to win your next three, four, five ball games in a row. So, which obviously I think would change the complexion of this season entirely. So – Kudos to the Gamecocks again, coming out, taking care of business. I, I, it was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to be in the building again, watching a South Carolina team come out, shoot the way they did. That's that's that South Carolina team. And again, I know they were not playing a good Vanderbilt team. Don't get me wrong, very bad defensively. We talked about going in the game, but that's the way I expected South Carolina to play all season. The way their guards shot the basketball game, Manaya with 14, Lawson with 14. Give these guys shout. I mean, really, you, you go down the list to everybody. Keyshawn Bryant with seven points, had a monster dunk in the game. Obviously, he is an electric factory. He's an absolute highlight reel. Jermaine Kuznar with seven points, was solid. Um, you know, McCreary and Frank, like I mentioned. Trey Hannibal played some good minutes, had four points. Played. Jair Bolden as well. How am I going to forget about him? 13 points in 20 minutes. He had a really good night as well. I, it's so funny with Jair. I don't know what happened or if he got in Frank's doghouse or what it was, but – you know, he he flat out disappeared for like three games, and now he's back to him, his old self, it seems like. I, I don't really know. So, um, really good job. I mean, again, you shoot 54%. Gamecocks came out made their first four shots in the night. Um, obviously, what was so awesome as well was the end of the game, Mike Green hitting that three to get the Gamecocks to 90 points. And, you know, just phenomenal. You saw how crazy the bench went and how crazy the fans went. It was really, really cool and really fun to see. And I think that's one of the beautiful things of college basketball. But uh, – you know, you came out Saturday night. You did what you should have done. You did what you were supposed to do. Now what can you do with it? Can you build off this? Can you continue to stay hot from the floor? I thought the Gamecocks played pretty good defense as well. Um, I will say Scotty Pippen Jr. is a pretty damn good player for Vanderbilt. Um, but overall, South Carolina just was too much. I mean, again, they did exactly what I thought they should have done. The Gamecocks were the better team, the more talented team, and they played like it. And it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. So, again, South Carolina gets the win, 90-64. to 64. Gamecocks now, like I said, will look to – See if they can string this together a little bit, get a couple consecutive wins in a row. Again, you got that 
that road trip to Arkansas is a bit of a toughie, but you come back home next weekend, you play Mizzou at Ole Miss, A&M at home at Georgia. I think there really is an opportunity to go on a bit of a run here. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if they can do it. But uh, really, really impressive stuff from Frank Martin's squad on Saturday night. Um, moving into the Shiloh Sanders thing. You know, I, I want to speak on this. And this, again, like I said in the intro, this is really I'm going to try to close the book on it because this is not something I think – for some, for one, for starters, it's not something I want to linger. I, it's not something that I think will linger. I think in a week this is a non-story. I don't think – I think none of us will even remember this happened. But – Shiloh Sanders putting out a tweet on Saturday morning, if you will. Um, and I'm going to read the tweet here really quickly. He says about, and this is obviously regarding his baseball tryout, quote unquote, or lack thereof, or whatever his opinion. Obviously, Dion speaking on it. We, we talked about that last week. But Shiloh on Saturday, he puts this up. Just to clear things up, I was told that after winter break, I would have a tryout. So I went home for the holidays and worked my butt off over the entire break. I returned excited to compete. And I never even got an opportunity to go on the field, put on a glove, field a ball, or run bases. I hit in front of Coach Kingston once, and he walked into the cages on another occasion when I was hitting, getting ready for the tryout. So the only thing I actually did for a tryout, I guess, ended up being me hitting off of a machine and never actually practicing with the team. I don't know what else I could have done to make the team. I'm not happy how this played out and the lies that were told, but life goes on. Well, as you can imagine, that obviously sent social media into a frenzy, giving their opinions on Mark Kingston and how he's running his baseball program, yada, 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 whatever. Again, this I want to give my take on it, sort of close the book on it, because, again, I think this is really just something that's been blown up out of proportion. This is a non-story if the state, if Go Gamecocks does not paraphrase the quote and spin it like a real negative. And, yeah, it, it's never even a, a thing if that doesn't happen. I think the Sanders, both Dion and Shiloh, I, I think it's a bad look on their part. I, I really do. I, I think, you know, I think what fans don't understand, it's like, did you want – because if you go back and – listen, go back to the original quote. All he says was he's sticking with football. You know, we gave him a look. You know, he's going to stick with football for now. It left the door open and maybe he could play in the future, just said he won't be on this year's team. Do you want Mark Kingston to come out and say, hey, the kid sucks? He's just not good. He's, he's not an SEC baseball player. Because he definitely could have come out and said that. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he should have gotten a fair – he should have gotten a full tryout. Like, why didn't he get a full tryout? Guys, if they're saying he took 30 swings in the cage, it don't even – you can tell in 10 swings whether a guy's up to snuff. You can tell in 10 swings whether a guy's up to snuff. I'm sure what happened – listen, I think this is probably what happened. Mark Kingston – knew Shiloh Sanders isn't an SEC baseball player. He, he knew that off the jump. There's video of Shiloh hitting on social media, and I'm sure he's watched him play before at some point. Remember now, Shiloh was recruited to South Carolina to play football. He's not on scholarship to play baseball. So it's not like his God-given right that he's going to play baseball. And I think that's kind of how Dion and maybe even Shiloh feel. It's a very entitled feeling for them. I mean, they're the Sanders. What do you expect? It's prime time. Whatever. But this thing has gotten blown. I, I'm, I side with Coach Kingston here. I, I really do. Um, you know, he brings in his guys. He recruits his guys. You know, they don't need a bench warmer football player on the team. And, and that's, the, that's the reality of the situation. It, it's not even – the, the reality is he, he just was not good enough. He probably was not good enough. Shiloh, if you want to play baseball that bad, if you really want to – Hey, bro, go transfer somewhere and play. 
and it's not going to be in the SEC. He's not an SEC baseball player. There's plenty of D2s that probably need a corner outfielder. But it's not going to be at South Carolina. He's not going – I mean, it's just – it's crazy to me. It's, it's honestly crazy to me. I think Mark Kingston was trying to not step on anybody's toes, was sort of dancing around it, just not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, if you will. And the Sanders are acting like children about it. They really are. They're, they're just – they're acting like children about it. You know, I, I put up a tweet yesterday – or excuse me, on Saturday. I put up a tweet on Saturday. Basically just saying, you know, here's, you know, I think here's the brutal reality of what happened. And I don't know you guys, there were a lot of former South Carolina baseball players chiming in because I think they all understand and acknowledge how silly it is too. I I really do. I mean, one of the ones you obviously saw was Michael Roth. Because I said, here's the brutal truth of what most likely happened. Kingston has his guys. He never took Shiloh's workout seriously. That's why he didn't get an extended look. If he wasn't Deion's son, he most likely wouldn't have let him out there. And I stick by that. If his last name's not Sanders, number one, let me put it this way. If Chad Terrell would have tried to walk on and this exact situation happened, it's a non-story. We don't even care. We don't even care. But because it is Shiloh Sanders and his father is primetime Dion, it's a story. It's a story. And it shouldn't be. And, again, I don't think it's something that's going to linger. It, 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 we're not going to be talking about this in a few days. It, it, everybody's just going to forget this happened. But I trust Kingston deci- Kingston's decision-making. You know, the Sanders, they didn't get their way. And they're throwing a fit about it. You know, I think, you know, I, I'm not saying the kid's not a hard worker and he won't be a good football player for South Carolina, whatever. He, hell, he may go to the league, whatever. But it comes off as like they're, he's used to getting everything handed to him. It's like, dude, if you're not good enough, you're just not good enough. Period. You know, there, there is no walk-on tryout at South Carolina, guys, believe it or not. There's no walk-on tryout. So, I mean, the fact he even allowed him to come out, be appreciative of that. And, again, I don't think he even lets him come out if it's not Deion's son. I, I just – I don't think it's even a, a conversation. But you saw Michael Roth say, here's the more likely brutal truth. He was just not good enough. <laughs> That's bottom line, man. That's bottom line. And, again, they recruit guys to come in and play baseball. They brought in JUCO guys. Like, they, they have a very I'm, – I'm very excited about the squad they have this year. I mean, what, what upside is there to adding Shiloh Sanders? Because here's the thing. If they, let's just say they added him to the team. If he doesn't play, if he's a bench warmer, if he's just like the occasional pinch runner, you think Dion's not going to lash out and bitch and moan that his son's not on the field playing? I mean, that's a whole nother thing. And then if you don't want to deal with that anymore, you got to cut him. And then you it just silliness. It's just silliness. I side with Coach Kingston on this. I mean, listen, it, Shiloh Sanders, you're not owed anything. You're not owed anything. Who, who? Hey, I'll tell you this too. For the people that were getting upset, whose spot do you want to give him? Whose spot? Whose spot should he take? I mean, really though, who, whose spot should he take? And I saw one fan on social media. This cracked me up. A guy saying. Well, you know, most of the guys on our team last year at like 220. So, I mean, you know, let Shiloh play. He'll hit 220. He'll fit right in with him. I'm like, dude, I just want to tell you all something real quick. There ain't a chance in hell Shiloh Sanders would hit over 200. Ain't a chance in hell. Not a chance. So, again, this is, this is all silliness. People want, you know, people are still bitter from football season and baseball had a bad year last year. So, people want to pile on and attack Kingston and attack the baseball. It just – 
It's silly. It's silly. Bottom line is Shiloh Sanders was not good enough. He's not at the snuff. Mark Kingston did not want to come out and publicly embarrass him. So he sort of danced around the question. Go Gamecocks decided to spin, not spin it, but do a very poor job of paraphrasing, which led to Dion's tweet, which led to Shiloh having to say something, which led to this stupidity, this bullshit that we're now you know, going through. So that's my opinion on it. Again, this entire thing is ridiculous. Shiloh Sanders, focus on football. Focus on being the best defensive back you can be at the University of South Carolina. Stop taking it so hard so personally. You're not an SEC baseball player. A lot of us aren't, man. A lot of us aren't. Most of us aren't. Most guys can't play on that level. Just take it for what it is. Hey, if you want to, if you are that pissed off about it and you really want to play, focus on baseball for the next year and come out and try out next year. I, I don't know. I mean, but the entire thing is absurd. I, I really wish Dion would come back out and put out a statement so it doesn't feel like there's friction there. But I highly – I mean, he's not exactly the most humble guy in the world. So, um, again, that's me closing the book on it. I, I just – I think it's absurd the way people are attacking, King, attacking Kingston and the baseball program for this. It's just like, dude, like, Kingston should be applauded, again, for not wanting to embarrass the kid. I, that's really what it comes down to. He didn't want to embarrass the kid. You know, he could have come out in that presser and said – yeah, we take a look at Shiloh. He's just not a, he's not SEC baseball caliber. We wish him the best, and I think he'll be a great football player. But uh, you know, we got we got our guys, and you know, we appreciate him coming out. But uh, you know, it's just I think it's best for him to stick with football. He could have been harsh like that, but he wasn't. So again, moving off of it, close the book on it. If you're thinking about bashing Kingston for this, just just take a second and just step back and just reevaluate what you're thinking here. So, um, okay. Awesome. Let's get into the listener questions. Got a couple of listener questions here, then we'll jump right in this interview. It's a fantastic one with Alex Destino. Um, Mixhale underscore Dunlap one NCAA tournament bid this year. I'm still going to say no. I just think you've got to, you know, you've really got to go on a run. I'm still going to say no right now, but if you can win the next three, four in a row, you set yourself up for it, but I'm still right now going to say no. It's going to take a hell of a run to close out the season. Um, D robes four. I heard Jordan Birch went to LSU this weekend. Should we be worried? So that was obviously the rumor that Birch was in LSU. I think he's a gamecock. I, I mean, until I, I just, I'm not worried about it. I mean, the kid wants to take his visits, fine, take your visits, whatever. But you know, if, if I think if Jordan Birch was going, if, if here's the thing, if Jordan Birch was not going to go to South Carolina, I don't think he would have committed to him on early signing. Like, if he wanted to go with the conservative option, the safe pick, he would have committed to Georgia, LSU, Clemson, whatever. But, you know, he didn't. He committed to South Carolina. So, you know, I, I think the Gamecocks are safe here. I think they get him until we see anything, you know, until we see anything else. I, I think he's a Gamecock. So, um, last question here. Fly under or fly dot LJ. How does the baseball team look this year? So yeah, obviously I've been out at the scrimmages. That's another thing, by the way. If you guys haven't seen, I'll be doing a full scrimmage report, recap, breakdown, whatever after every single scrimmage. So put one out Saturday, put one out yesterday. Obviously, I'm really excited for this baseball team. I, I mean, just overall, there's so much more depth. There's more quality arms. There's more quality bats. South Carolina is in a really good position. It's, it's a really good problem to have right now in the sense that 
Um, you know, you have a ton of guys fighting for spots. It's a really good problem to have. Like when I take a look at the, the you know, the, the, uh, the rotation, the bullpen, whatever, the spots there, like uh, it, it's like I said, you have a ton of quality arms fighting for those slots. So I'm excited about this baseball team. I think they'll be much, much, much better, much improved um, going in this season. I would be shocked. I mean, listen, South Carolina baseball misses the postseason again. It's a major, major red flag for me because this team has talent. This team's got talent. And, again, you guys have heard, heard me say a, a millions of times, there's never an excuse to miss the postseason at South Carolina. Absolutely no excuse. So, I think this team will be much improved. I think you're looking at a 35-36 win ball club, hovering right around 500 in the SEC, which 500 in SEC play is pretty damn good with how good the SEC is. Um, Gamecocks, I think they'll be like a two seed in a regional. So, I'm excited for this team. I really am. I'm really, really excited for this baseball team. So, um, appreciate the listener questions. Let's get in this interview with Alex Destino, former Gamecocks outfielder. Really, really excited for you guys here. Alex, an awesome dude, doing big things in the minors as well. Obviously, we break all that down. So, a fantastic interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, whether it be concerts, comedy club events, South Carolina Gamecock sporting events, professional sporting events, whatever it may be, SeatGeek is the way to go. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, again, Whatever it may be, you can get tickets to literally everything. So if you want to come see the Gamecocks, obviously playing at home next Saturday against Mizzou, you can get your tickets for that. The Super Bowl is coming up. I mean, literally anything. A lot of big concerts are coming out. I know uh, Post Malone's going to be in Columbia in February. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. They've got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So never again for one, are you going to have to scalp. You're not going to have to scalp anymore. Um, you're not going to have to worry about overpaying for tickets or where are you sitting? Like, are you getting the best bang for your buck? SeatGeek takes care of all that for you. They're going to give you that peace of mind before you click the buy button. And you're going to know that you're getting the absolute best bang for your buck. So, again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks outfielder Alex Destino. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2015 to 2017. During his career, he hit 279, had 26 home runs, 135 RBIs. He was also named in 2016 to the NCAA Regional All-Tournament team. In 2017, he was taken in the 14th round of the MLB draft by the Chicago White Sox and is currently a member in the Chicago White Sox organization. I'm very pleased to welcome the show, former Gamecocks outfielder Alex Destino. Alex, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. I thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, glad to finally talk to you. Absolutely. So, Alex, let's go back to the beginning for you. You were a guy highly sought after recruit out of Weaverville, North Carolina. Uh, just kind of take me through your recruitment. Obviously, you know it starts very, very early in the process. Um, what were the schools that came down to, and why did you eventually land on South Carolina? Yeah, growing up, uh, growing up in Western North Carolina, it's kind of uh, that's like the big three territory. So, Duke, Chapel Hill, and um, NC State, and um, so off the rip, I knew uh, Duke, I mean, from an academic standpoint, was going to be kind of a tall order for me. So um, that's kind of the college basketball team I cheer for. So that'd be a cool place to go to school, but I don't think that was in it for me. So I kind of, uh, from the start early, Chapel Hill really was kind of uh, involved. And that was a place I, I, I had a lot of love for. Their head coach is from Asheville, Mike Fox. So um, they were kind of the first big school that was uh, on board and kind of showed um, – 
showed me a lot of attention. And then NC State came along. And uh, to be honest with you, I figured that was it was going to be one of those schools. Um, I took uh, uh, took visits to both. Um, I love both. I think both head coaches are fantastic. And um, it was toward the end of my sophomore summer that uh, South Carolina kind of got involved. And um, I came down here. We played a tournament, and I thought it was unbelievable. And I didn't really know much about South Carolina because, um, like I said, growing up, it's kind of you choose Duke or Chapel Hill, who you're going to cheer mm. for. But um, that was kind of the time I learned about how good the SEC was. Um, I learned about the coaching staff. Obviously, I knew kind of follow college baseball a little bit before then. And I knew South Carolina, those were the prime years, 10, 11, 12, 13. So um, took a visit down here, fell in love with it. I mean, I, I, I love Coach Holbrook, Espo, Coach Myers, the entire staff. So it, that was a quick process. South Carolina got involved, and within probably a month or two, I kind of knew this is where I was going to be. So, um, yeah, that, it, it, was, it was an easy decision, to be honest with you. Um, like I said, I love, I love Chapel Hill and State, but – and going out of state, not a lot of people love that. Um, people are very proud back in North Carolina about those two schools especially. So, and when I chose South Carolina, it was kind of a, uh, a shock to everybody. But with the resume of the school and kind of the success the program's had, it's a hard one to argue against. Now, when you committed to South Carolina, uh, Ray, you, you committed to Ray Tanner, correct? I did, and Coach Holbrook was the head recruiter. Yeah, right. right. Did, did that – Whenever that decision happened, whenever he decided to step down, retire, did, did it waver you at all? I mean, obviously, again, Ray Tanner just stayed at South Carolina as the AD. I'd imagine it wouldn't. But was there any wavering in your commitment at all? I mean, obviously, you're playing for Holbrook, who probably spent most of the time recruiting you anyways. I mean, what were your thoughts, I guess, when Ray Tanner decided to uh, to step down and give way to Coach Holbrook? Well, to be honest with you, it was kind of like the perfect storm because um, obviously Ray Tanner, I knew everything about him. I mean, committing to him to be my head coach for the next three or four years. So, But like you said, Holbrook was the one that was kind of hands-on. He was the one involved in the recruiting process, so it worked perfectly. I mean, he was the one I became accustomed to talking to or seeing around. So when he got the kind of – became the head coach, it kind of worked perfectly for me. So to answer your question, no, I didn't waver at all. I just – I mean, it, it, it was it was a good scenario for me. Now, I think it's interesting, Alex, because you take a look. If you just Google, you, you get in the old Google machine. Um, your recruiting profile lists you as a starting pitcher. Uh, obviously, you come in as a freshman, spent most of the time at DH, but you did pitch two-thirds of an inning. Um, what was – I mean, did you know coming into South Carolina you were going to be a hitter? Were you – did you come in as a two-way? Like, what, what was the situation there as far as where you, where you were going to be on the field? Well, I came as a pitcher, and – I wanted to hit and coach Holbrook knew I could hit, mm. but that was kind of the, the start of that. And so when individuals started, you know, very early on beginning of school, um, I was kind of just doing pitching stuff. And while I was, and I was trying to talk to them like, look, I want to take BP. Like I think I can hit and coach Holbrook knew that. And so he kind of kept me involved with hitting and pitching was going very up and down. Um, I just, from a mechanical standpoint, I didn't really, I didn't have the tempo and everything that's required at this level. Um, and so trying to change that really so kind of took, uh, took a toll on my velo and stuff like that. And so when, it, when, when push came to shove, Holbrook, caught, I mean, talked to me, said, look, I mean, at this level, the SEC, this is premier baseball. I mean, it's hard enough to do one. So we kind of just sat back and said, look, let's try this hitting thing. And just kind of took off from there for me. 
For sure. So you take a look at your freshman year, Alex, that 2015 team, and you look at some of the names and you just notice how young you guys really were. I mean, a lot of the contributors you saw over the next couple of years and during your career, you guys were all freshmen. I mean, outside of really like Jack Weinkoop, I know was a junior. Uh, Widener was a sophomore. Vogel was a sophomore. Park was a sophomore. A lot of freshmen on that team, though. Just talk about your first mm-hmm. year. What was the adjustment like from high school to college? And, you know, I guess, you know, I know the record wasn't what you guys wanted it to be, you know, finishing middle of the pack of the SEC, but how much do you feel that year kind of getting your feet wet, everybody kind of getting out there as a true freshman, how much do you think it helped that team in the years to come? Well, this is, this is kind of the story I like to tell people about that year is, um, you know, we, we, we started the year relatively well in the non-conference, um, you know, won the games we're supposed to, maybe, maybe hit a hiccup every once in a while, but it really kind of came full circle when we faced uh, Vanderbilt. That was my, I think that was my first SEC series. And um, I remember, in, like you said, we were a young team, but we had Kyle Martin was a guy that mm. is kind of the big name on that team. And he was a phenomenal leader. I looked up to him when he was here. And um, so when, when I had a problem, I went to him. Um, I mean, I hit behind him for a lot of the years. So I got, I got to kind of pick his brain a lot. And, um, but I tell people, so Friday night, I'm facing Carson Fulmer who was, I mean, he was all everything in college. I mean, big leaguer, he, he was the real deal. And so I went from facing him to Walker Bueller, who everybody knows who that is, and then to Kyle Wright on Sunday, who all three have big league time. Mm. So that, that was kind of the, my first step back to where it's like, wow, this is really, this level of baseball is different here. Mm. When a college team can run out three starters like that. And so that was, that was when my eyes opened to the jump. I mean, you know, it, and it doesn't take anything away from the Winthrop's or the, you know, the, the mid-major schools like that. But when you see arms like that and consistently can roll guys out and they can bring in a lefty or somebody just for you and he's just as good as the other guys, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of when I personally took a step back and I was like, wow, I really need to this – is, this is something if I want to keep doing this, I got to give all my attention to that. So that, the Vanderbilt series is what kind of woke me up and started my college career off, if, if you want to look at it like that. Yeah, and I was going to say one of those games, that, that series, you went two for four with an RBI single and a win. So you definitely held your own there. But I, I want to talk to you, switch gears a little bit. Talk about the Carolina Clemson baseball rivalry. Obviously a guy coming from the state mm-hmm. of North Carolina. You're not totally unfamiliar with it. I mean, it's one of the best, if not the best rivalry in all of college baseball. And like you said, kind of – Growing mm-hmm. up in the triangle, I mean, you're, you're no stranger to rivalries with UNC Duke being right there in your backyard. Right. But uh, as a guy who, you know, gets to South Carolina, you're from out of state, you know, how quickly did it click, how big of a rivalry that was? And just talk about your experiences, you know, being on the field playing against Clemson. Yeah, well, I guess the first time I really experienced that, cause, and to be honest with you, before I got to South Carolina, I should say before I committed to South Carolina, I wasn't too familiar with it just because, I mean, you, like you said, Duke Chapel Hill, every TV in the States on for that one. Um, so that was kind of my, the game I'd look forward to each year. And um, when I committed here and, you know, I, I followed, you know, the Twitter page and Facebook. So I followed Gamecock baseball for everything. And I just remember when that time of year would come around and it was the Clemson series like, or that week building up. And it was just a different, it was almost like a different world. And um, yeah, so I just, the, the passion that the fans and the p- people and the players from both sides put into that game, it's, it, it's kind of a beautiful thing to see. And it, it, it was kind of, it was an honor to play in that. Um, and I tell you, I, like I said, I didn't know much about it before, but after three years of that going there and back, it's, 
that's it, it. You don't get better than that in college baseball, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, and it's, it's a, it was a great thing. I mean, you get in the locker room before a game like that and it's a little, it's a little different, you know, with the guys from out of state. I mean, we, 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 we want to win every game, but um, when it really comes down to it, it's, it's another baseball game, but you, you had the guys, I mean, the, the, my South Carolina boys, TJ Hopkins being one of them who grew up, I mean, a Gamecock. I mean, some of these guys who grew up Gamecocks, it's, it was a really cool thing to watch the intensity and the passion that they play with. Uh, obviously, you're a guy, again, who played in the outfield. And I was thinking of Clemson. We can make this kind of a blanket question. What's the meanest thing you heard or maybe the funniest thing you heard maybe at Clemson or somewhere else on a ball field while you were at Carolina? Um, I, well, I remember – Clemson, I think I DH'd both times at Clemson. So I never played in the outfield. They do a real good job. Their students get after it out there. <laughs> they um, do. I will say they I really was, do. I was, they do. They get after it. And I, I, I remember I always had – I mean, I always enjoy, enjoyed that. Um, I've never had a problem with talking smack. I mean, I, I'll give it back a lot of the time. But um, Old Miss, Old Miss had to have been the worst. Um, <laughs> my sophomore year was – that was – that was a little bit of a shit show out there. Um, Dom was in center field and I was in left that whole weekend. And uh, they, they were out deep behind center field. And I remember they were letting Dom have it, him and Gene. So the students were over there and it was more so the um, like parents and kind of like the older tailgate, mm. tailgate crowd was behind me and left. And so they were, they wear me out, but after the game, it was all fun and games. But, for Dom and Center and Gene and Wright, especially where they do the like their famous beer shower, I just remember being able to hear some of the stuff they were yelling to those guys, and I couldn't say that stuff on the show. But no, I've been, you know, I've been, I, I've, I've been called everything under the sun. I mean, Clemson fans, whenever I'd be on deck, they'd be, you know, their season ticket people would be sitting right behind you on top of you, and you'd hear it all. And but I love it. It's all, it's all in good fun. I, I, that's a, that's a, that's the part of sports I love is the uh, the smack talking aspect of it and. So I, I got no problem when I go on the road and hear that. Do you have like a go-to chirp by chance? Like, is there like a go-to thing, whether it's a guy you're playing against on the field or like if a fan mouths, is there anything like you, you know, or is it like different for each guy where you're like, I know what's going to get my, get me in his head? Um, not, not really, to be honest with you. Um, pitchers, and I, this is, I guess this is, I would say this is pretty widespread. Pitchers don't like it if you just stare at them. <laughs> so like if I step out of the box, they they like I'm facing, and it's all magnified for Clemson. I mean, it, it, there's no secret about that. So, um, you know, if you get a pitch up and in, or maybe like a three zero count where they're kind of staying away a little bit, and you just if you just try to interlock eyes with the pitcher, that'll that'll always drive drive some guys a little little upset. So, I like doing that, just irritate them, just kind of get under their skin a little bit. That's hilarious. But well, no, I, I I don't I don't have really a chirp to go to. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, if somebody says something, I'll say something back. But <laughs> and if it's if it's not nice to me, it, it won't be nice back. But <laughs> for the most part, I don't, I don't have really anything I'd, I'd go to. But yeah, staring staring at pitchers was that was always good. Love it, love it. So, Alex, I want to talk about that 2016 season for you because this is the year you really break out. I mean, you hit 321, mm -hmm. 10 homers, 59 RBIs. Simply put, what clicked for you? Was it something in your game and your swing maybe you changed up, or was it simply just getting more at-bats, more experience? I mean, what would you attribute to that big year you had in 2016? Yeah, it was kind of – my whole freshman year was not really a learning curve, but it, in a way it was. 
um, like I said, that Vanderbilt series, that was my, that was my wake up call was if I want to keep playing and starting for this team, then I'm going to have to be really good. And I'm going to have to take this extremely serious. And um, so that summer I went to Wilmington, uh, had a great experience out there in the summer league. Um, just kind of worked on my approach, my mental side. That was the biggest thing was the mental side of baseball. Um, I, I embraced it. Um, I'm still big into the mental side of uh, pretty much everything, but baseball is something you really got to give a lot of your time and thought to, um, but you got to do it the right way. And so I learned that over the summer in a, uh, in an environment where you could kind of, you know, be loose. It wasn't, the stats weren't kept. I mean, you just had the chance to go out there and have fun. And so I kind of found my adjustments and found where I wanted to be and uh, rolled with that. Me and coach Busher kind of found a, uh, we found a happy, a happy spot for me that year. And it was just rolled. I mean, baseball, you can ask anybody that plays it. Um, when you kind of get in the zone as a hitter, it's a feeling you can't really explain, but you just, you run with it. I mean, trust me, if you, you take hits however you get them and if they're coming easy, you, you run with it. And uh, my sophomore year, I was kind of, I was very, I was very good at kind of keeping, keeping even. I mean, there wasn't a ton of freakish games. There wasn't a bunch of bad games. I mean, so I kind of, just stayed even kill through it all and kind of ran with it that year. So we, we talked to your buddy, Chris Cullen, obviously about that 2016 season, but I want to get your take on it. Cause obviously a huge year for you and a big year for the team as well. You guys win the sec East. Uh, I believe it was a 20 and nine record throughout sec play. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You edge out Florida, Vandy, all the, all the other guys. Um, you, like I said, at the beginning of the show, 2016, you're named the NCAA regional all tournament team. You hit a couple bombs, got a ton of hits in that, uh, leading all the way to the super regional against Oklahoma state where unfortunately you guys lose out, but again, a great year. Mm-hmm. Just, just kind of talk about and kind of encapsulate that 2016 season. I guess, how cool was that for you to, again, not only to have a big year personally, but for the team as well and what you guys accomplished. No, that was, that was. I would argue my favorite year of baseball um, in general. I mean, at, at any level I've played, uh, team was close. I mean, everything was good. The locker room was good. Uh, co- everything with the coaches, everything was good. And we were winning. So that obviously makes everything better regardless of the sport. So, um, but no, it was good. I mean, there was the amount of talent that was in that league that year, like every year in the SEC, but it was, it was kind of a, just a great feeling being one of the top dogs when we left that season. Um, but yeah, we were me and actually a few of the guys were talking about it today. We um, that was a really good team, talent wise on paper. We mm-hmm. we had it all. I mean, honestly, we had the we had the pitching, we had the hitting, we had the clutch gene. I mean, we had we had it all that year. Um, we ran into a, the regionals. I mean, one of my favorite things about college was looking back, uh, kind of overcoming what happened through that regional process, um, losing Friday night and then kind of winning out and. Some guys, I mean, shine. I mean, the Hunter Taylor, the double off third base, Tyler coming in, throwing lights out against Wilmington. That was, those were things I'll never forget. And kind of being a part of that and being able to have some success through that just to make everything go a little smoother was, uh, that was kind of surreal looking back at. But um, yeah, we were talking about Oklahoma State today. Those boys, they came in, they could, they could swing it. I mean, their offense, they weren't lethal by any means, but good God, we ran into those, those starters. We were, Thomas Hatch, their Friday guy, he was unbelievable. He was a fastball cutter guy. And we, that year, looking back, I, I, I hadn't seen anything like it. Um, a righty being able to come in and throw two pitches against me, a fastball and a cutter. Normally it has to do with a changeup or a breaking ball, but he was giving me, I mean, he was giving a lot of our lefties fits. And so uh, 
yeah, we just caught we caught the wrong team at the wrong time. And uh, it was a great year, though. I mean, when the, when the year ended, we were we were excited. I mean, we did a lot of good things. A lot of guys kind of had career years that year, and it was just good to see kind of for for you know all the pressure and that surrounds the South Carolina baseball program. And coming off of a year where we missed the regionals, it was it was a great feeling, kind of hosting the super and kind of running with it that year. Yeah, you brought something up I want to touch on, Alex. I want to switch gears a little bit and just kind of get your take on this. So, you know, as a South Carolina baseball player, I I don't know if pressure is the right word. I guess playing at a school that has so much tradition. I mean, especially you playing – you guys played pretty much immediately right after. I mean, a, a great run, the best run you're ever going to see. I mean, two national titles back-to-back. You go to a third mm-hmm. one. How much – pressure I mean I know you guys again it's baseball you play day-to-day whatever but when you come to South Carolina how much pressure do you feel or I guess how much confidence do you have because of that history that tradition because for for example I'll tell you this as a fan you know I I tell people just looking ahead of this year's team you know people ask me all the time how is Carolina baseball going to do and it's like well you know we'll see what happens but once South Carolina gets in the postseason I mean all bets are off I mean this 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 program expects to win you know it's like we had uh we had Carlos Cortez on, I think, last week, and he was talking about when they won that that regional in 2018 at ECU, and, and it's like we didn't dogpile. We expect to win that. It's it's nothing. It's no big deal. Right. We have bigger goals, and I mean, Omaha truly is the expectation every year. But how much does that expectation when you're a South Carolina baseball player? How much does it fuel you? I mean, is there pressure? Like, just kind of go inside the mind of you guys. Like, how much I guess do you embrace those expectations? I, it's kind of hard to explain because. When I look back at it, and now now I'm in at the pro ball level, which is you go out if you play if you play poorly over a long period of time, you don't have a job anymore. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of there is that pressure, but here it's more so. Not only do I not want to let myself down, I don't want to let down the fans, the university, and you, the list kind of goes on with that. And so that was a unique thing to be an 18 year old and experience that. And um, that's something that I don't think not every fan, but your normal kind of normal fan who maybe didn't play a sport growing up or just enjoys like kind of speaking negatively about things. That is where it was. I I didn't, I've never experienced that before. So when I got to South Carolina, it was a, you know, you would have a bad game and you would see it on Twitter or you'd see it from people that you don't know who would talk about it. And that was when it all hit me like, wow, I mean, there, there's a lot of expectation here. And I knew it. I mean, like you said, we, we followed a run that was legendary, historic. I mean, you, you can't mimic something like that. And so, yeah, and there, there was pressure. I mean, like I said, you got a group of 18 to 22-year-olds um, playing, you know, playing with each other. We're, we're there every day. We're at the field every day. We're running in the mornings with each other. And so when you go into these games, maybe like a, a you know, a mid-major team, and it was some, some – and sometimes even in my mind, if, if things were going bad, I mean – it wasn't about, look, I really want to do good this game. It was, it was more so like, we can't lose this game because I don't want, I don't want coach Holbrook or I don't want people to have to deal with what comes with losing games we should win. Mm. But like I said, that's what you sign up for when you come here. I mean, it's like when you play professional baseball, when you're going through the minor leagues, you know, the pay is not going to be good. Like, you know, certain things, but you sign up for that. And Mm. so there's no, there's no, we don't, you can't really complain about that because that's what you're putting, you're, you're getting ready for that. And so when we would lose or if we would go through a, like a, a down, a down part of the season, it's hard to get mad at fans just because 
they they expect that but it's like we expect that too and so um it was it's just it was it was a unique kind of a unique feeling um kind of having that pressure but it makes the win you know it makes when you're winning it makes it that much sweeter i mean you, there, there's no you can't hide that how how the coverage of south carolina is i mean however man, it, damn near 200,000 uh twitter followers i mean for the baseball program so mm-hmm. You love it, right? I mean, when you're playing good, you're getting Twitter followers. You know, you feel like a superstar. You really do. Um, but when things are going bad, they go real bad. And so um, that's kind of when you have to be mature and kind of that, that forces you to grow up a little bit on and off the field. For sure. So I want to move into that junior season for you, Alex. And anybody that is familiar with college sports, but especially baseball, just knows how pivotal that junior year is. That's your draft year. Mm-hmm. That's your money-making year. Yeah. For you, another solid That's year it. on the field, 255 to play, uh, 10 homers, 41 RBIs, so your double-digit home runs again. But I guess for you, how much pressure did you feel? I mean, again, you know that. I mean, you're a guy. You have aspirations of playing professional baseball. That's the goal ever since you're a little kid. Was there any additional pressure for you going in that year? Did you, do you feel like you pressed at all? Again, your stats were good, but – I guess for a guy who's in the position you were in, how much is that in the back of your mind, especially when you're taking on the elite competition in the SEC? You're like, I need to have a good game tonight against this arm to show this scout that, you know, I'm worthy of this pick. Right. How much yeah. How much do you think about that on a, on a daily basis when you're in that position? It wasn't – I mean, it wasn't a daily basis type thing. It, it wasn't like uh, every at-bat going up to the play, like, oh, I have to get a hit here. I have to do this. I have to do that. So-and-so's in the stands. It was just – it was even maybe just like a constant, just in the back of your head type feeling. Um, so if, if you had a bad week or a bad weekend or maybe a bad game, it was on, that's totally on you. I mean, my junior year, I didn't press a lot. I, I, I had what I thought was a very mediocre year, but um, no, I, I, I wouldn't say I pressed a lot. It didn't really weigh on me, but um, yeah, it, it was just kind of, it was, it was how you took it. Um, if I had a bad game and I knew maybe a Friday night game, there were scouts. Uh, scouts were heavy Friday nights with the with the big boys on the mound. Yeah. And so if you have a bad game, it's your choice. I mean, they'll probably be there Saturday. So, I mean, you want to wake up on Saturday feeling bad or do you want to wake up and go try to do something special at the field? And um, I was trying to catch myself on, 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 on that side of the ball. Um, but the play that year from my, my standpoint, I mean, you know, it was like I said, I thought it was a little above a mediocre season. Um, that was kind of, you know, the the team had the ups and downs that year. So, obviously, I would have loved to have a big All-American year my junior year. But, I mean, you, you, you can't change that. And so, it's, uh, I mean, it's all good. It's, it's worked out like it has, and I'm just fine with that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think you guys in some capacity pissed off the baseball gods a little bit? Because that 2017 season, it really mimicked kind of what 2019 was, which – you guys had a ton of injuries that just really – I mean, Clark Schmidt going down, Tyler Johnson goes down. Yeah. I mean, so many – I just remember so many series coming down to Sunday, coming down to one pitch, one at bat, and it was just like weekend after weekend after – like so many mm-hmm. games that could have went a different way. I mean, just just talk about, you know, I know it's tough to reflect on it, but that season as a whole, you know, just how tough that was for you guys. Yeah, that that was a really tough year from a mental standpoint. Um, just and I would I would go to say a lot of guys in that locker room would say that um, coming off you know coming off the super regional year expectations are high uh, the amount of talent on that team on paper was unbelievable mm-hmm. um, on paper I think I was the best team I was a part of at the school 
um, we just couldn't put it together. Uh, we had injuries. I mean, I'll never blame anything on injuries, but you know, we, we had, we had a tough year that year. Um, you know, like I, like you just said, like I said, the injuries, um, a lot of calls. I mean, you could go back and you can name a few things, but I mean, close calls. I mean, one run games, crazy things happening that year just in general was very tough on the brain. Um, just to think about it and being involved and being on, you know, being on the team playing, that was kind of seeing everything off the field, you know, the twi Twitter going crazy, Gamecock fans tweeting at you, just, just things like that. That, that year was just, the highs were high and the lows were very low that year. And so it was, uh, that was kind of a, that was a grind. That year was a grind. Um, but like I said, I mean, that, those are the years you kind of mature and they, they make you grow up a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was a tough one, but it, it, I mean, it is what it is for that one. Yeah, and I want to move to you on a more positive note in the midst of all that madness that year. Alex, you're taken in the 14th round of the MLB draft by the Chicago White Sox. Talk about the emotions, the feeling when you get that call. And also, was there any – was there a decision to make in your mind whether you were going to come back to school or not? Yeah, I remember me and Coach Holbrook, we kind of talked about it. Once the season was over, we, we were kind of going over whatever – what, what, what would the scenario is basically going to be. And um, it's also no secret, like you said, about the junior year being pivotal. Mm. It's no secret the, uh, from a financial standpoint what happens from your junior to senior year. Um, you know, juniors, if you decide to leave, the, the pay is going to be more. I mean, that's not, a, that's not a hidden – that's not a secret, and I think that's an unfortunate part of the uh, major league baseball draft. I think it's, I hate it to be honest with you. Um, it's that's one sport where it kind of, you can hold it over a kid's head that they can't go back to school. Yeah, they, they kind of force your hand um, a little bit for sure. They force your hand. No. And I, and I, like I, and I hate it. I mean, I, I'll tell that to anybody. I hate that. But um, so that, that honestly was made my decision for me. Um, so financially it, it made sense to leave. Um but it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy choice by any means. Um, but how everything also off the field that year with the coaching, with all the changes being made, I thought um, on top of the financial things, um, I thought it was my time to go. I thought it was my time to go. I mean, I was healthy. I was ready to play. I was ready to keep playing. So I thought it was my time. And, you know, two and a half years later, later, here we are. And looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. So, I mean, I can't, can't complain about that. No doubt. So I think it's really interesting, Alex. Obviously, again, you have those conversations with Coach Holbrook and you go off, you're in rookie ball in the Arizona League. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. some major developments after you leave because Chad Holbrook, quote unquote, mm -hmm. steps down. There's a change in direction. Mark Kingston is hired as the head coach. I guess just how surprised, if at all, were you when that announcement was made that uh, Chad Holbrook wouldn't be coming back? Yeah, I was – I mean – me and coach, we, me and coach. I mean, a, a, a misconception I've heard a lot is that me and Coach Holbrook, we didn't like each other. I've had numerous people honestly ask me that, um, and we were extremely close. We were we were very close off the field. Um, I think Coach Holbrook's one of the best men I've ever met. Um, he'd do any. I mean, he'd do anything for any of his guys, and we all knew that. And um, so when he left, I mean, it wasn't. I I hated to see him leave, but. Um, you know, I, when he, whenever he went, went with Charleston, I knew, I knew Charleston, that's a city that's, I mean, close to him. He loves that city. So 
I mean, I, I, I want nothing but the best for him. Uh, we still talk occasionally, not, I mean, not every day, but we, we still keep in contact. Um, he's opened it all up down there. Like I said, I mean, he's one of the best men I've ever met. Um, he has a fantastic family. So when he left, I felt terrible. Um, I love Holbrook, but I mean, he's, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's, he's, mm. he's going to, he's going to stay on top, you know, I mean, he's not going to feel bad for himself. And I mean, he, you know, hopped on Charleston, hopped on, hopped on the head coaching job there. And I mean, it, it won't surprise me if he leads that program. to, I mean, very highs there. So I look forward to keeping up with him and keeping in touch with him, but you know, it was kind of a scenario where I was away from it. I was in Arizona kind of watching all of it unfold on Twitter and the internet. So it was hectic times back here, but mm. I mean, our relationship's great. Um, I think he's got Charleston going in a positive direction. I think South Carolina baseball is going in a positive direction right now. Um, so, you know, I mean, all the, all, all parties involved kind of came out for what it was. They came out. Okay. For sure. I, I want to get to that in just a second, but I want to talk about you, Alex, your minor league career so far. I mean, you've had a pretty successful minor league career hitting 278, 25 homers, 123 RBIs. Obviously, you talked about it. You're a guy right now. You're going through that minor league grind. I mean, we hear all the stories, the peanut butter and jellies and the long bus rides, and it's mm -hmm. a real thing. You talk to enough guys. It is a very, very real thing. But uh, just oh, it is. Talk, yeah, just talk about your minor league experience so far, and also what are the things that you are working on right now? Because obviously, your goal is to get to the MLB level. I mean, what are the things right now mm -hmm. you're focusing most on to get your game to that point? Um. It was the same kind of from a mental standpoint. It was the same thing I was talking about about my sophomore year. You just this year was good. I mean, pro ball, it's a 140 game season. So when you find something that is even close to working, you run with it. Um, this year was my best year so far. And it was it was the same exact thing. I found I found a routine. I found a kind of a pregame, everything that I liked. And it started working for me and I ran with it. So. I blinked and a month would go by and that that's how things go in, in baseball when things are going good it kind of just flies by for you but um no it was good I mean I've kind of been all over the country Arizona I was in Great Falls Montana um I was lucky enough to come our low and high teams are both in North Carolina as well as AAA so I guess I got drafted by the right team when it comes to being close to home but um you know just my first short season i enjoyed just kind of getting acclimated to everything and living that lifestyle and kind of embracing the being on your own and baseball is your job was kind of obviously new but exciting um my second year when I was in um uh Montana was a very up and down year kind of you could compare it to my junior year uh on paper it doesn't look brutal but I was very streaky uh, that's a good word for it um mm -hmm. It was a tough year. I mean, just kind of being out in the middle of nowhere, Montana, you really – you think about baseball too much. Um, so that's, that's always a problem. Uh, when you think about your sport too much, especially when things are going negative, that can – that'll eat up a weak-minded person. Um, and baseball is a sport that weeds those people out. So, you know, I mean, that was my year to kind of step it up on the mental side of my game. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So – Coming into this year, I felt like a new person. Um, I had my, my work ethic over the offseason was great. My body was healthy, um, and I was able to play. I mean, I was an everyday starting at that level. So, and found success, had success, and kind of ran with it. So, I'm extremely excited for this upcoming year, and I've been working, working hard this offseason to kind of try to maintain that. In baseball, it's a rep-type sport. So, um, 
that's what I mean. I keep, I know I keep saying it, but when you truly in baseball, when you find something that works, you, it's a superstitious sport too. And it's, the, that's the perfect example is when you find something that works, you, you eat the same stuff. I mean, you, you swing the same number amount of times. I mean, it's, it's weird stuff and you, but you hear it more <laughs> often than not. So it really do. I mean, you, you'll hear cool stories about stuff like that, but this year I fell into it, uh, playing well and I was doing the same exact thing. And, you know, you blink and two months go by and, you know, teams, teams playing well. And if you're playing well, everything's good. So yeah, this, this year was good, but pro ball, it's been, it's been a good experience. Yeah, I was going to say, just to give the people at home some perspective about, you know, I read off your career stats, but last year, 2019, I mean, you hit 293, 17 homers, 64 RBIs. So I don't know what, mm-hmm. if it's the socks or the brand of underwear, but I definitely would not change it up going into <laughs> the season for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to get your opinion, obviously, on the state of Gamecock baseball right now. Obviously, the year after you leave, 2018, South Carolina is able to rebound. Um, with Mark Kingston at the helm, it's it's funny the turnaround they had. Just something clicks. They win like seven SEC series in a row. Mm-hmm. Get to the Super Regionals. The point that you were in at one point in your career, a game away from Omaha, um, and then last year, like I said, last year really to me resembled that 2017 season in which, again, like you yeah. said, not making excuses, but call it for what it is. I mean, the injury bug hits, and there's just a lot of things out of your control. A lot of calls, a lot of series coming down to the last game. Um, but when you take a look at this team and this season, and obviously I've got a ton of optimism coming in for the 2020 team. I think the return of Carmen Majinski, and there's a lot of guys in that lineup, I think, that are due for some really, really big years. But just kind of give your overall take on the state of Carolina baseball and where you think it's headed under Mark Kingston. Yeah, like, like I said earlier when we were talking about Coach Holt, I think it's going in a positive direction. Um, I, I'm not extremely close to Coach Kingston, but I go to the field you know, pretty much every day to kind of get my work in. And I see him, he's a very, I don't know, intense, I don't think is the right word, but he's a very, he's extremely professional about how he handles himself. And I respect the hell out of that. And I think a good baseball coach has to have some characteristics of that. And so um, he, uh, I think he's got it going on. Uh, we talked briefly about things um, and he seems optimistic and I don't think he was just putting on a face for that. So I mean, he's got he's got me behind them. Uh, I'm I mean, I'm 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 listening to what he's preaching out there. So, uh, I mean, the boys they're excited. There's a bunch. I'll tell you what. I go to the field. I don't know. I don't know a damn soul there anymore. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing because he's he he's he can you can, as he's done. I mean, he's obvious kind of bringing in JUCO guys, um, guys that can make immediate impact. Uh, and I think that's at this program at this caliber. I mean, that's sometimes you have to go to that. And so uh, this year, from what I've been hearing, I've been talking to, you know, the Billy Andersons, the guys out at the field that have been there for years and years. So they, they seem optimistic. I mean, I've heard it's a good group, a good younger group. There's some talented, very talented freshmen. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'll be out. I'm looking forward to kind of watching them scrimmage. I, I like going back and watching these guys. So that'll be – and I haven't seen one yet this year. This is my first time being back in Columbia. Um, kind of this this – February, January to February is the first time I've been back. So I guess this weekend it'll be exciting going to back to see these guys. Um, I think the guy, and I know you, I've seen, I follow you, I, you know, your social media. I think Carmen, I'm very excited. I've not seen, I don't know what happened. I don't know what clicked. He's a, he has a freak work ethic, that kid. I mean, he's, he deserves, every, truly deserves everything that's going to come his way in the next few months. But he, uh, I don't know what happened with him, but from what I've been seeing and, some velo reports and things like that. He's gonna, like you said, he's 
I was reading one of your things about him. He is primed to have a big one this year. Um, and I, I sure hope he does because he's going to be the Friday night guy. He's going to be the dog. He's going to be the Clark Schmidt. I mean, when things are good, things are good with him. When things are bad, I mean, maybe things are going to be bad with him. So that's what a Friday night guy is. He's your ride or die. So I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what happens with him this year. Yeah, no doubt. I think he's got the potential to be one of, not just one of the best in the SEC, but the entire country. I mean, I think he's a big-time, mm-hmm. legitimate arm. Like you said, going to have the opportunity on Fridays to go against some of the best when you look at, like, the Emerson Hancocks and the Rockers oh, yeah. and Vanderbilt of the world. I mean, you, you know, man, it's, it's, it's weekend after weekend arm. After, it, you kind of – I'm sure you just – it's like ho-hum. It's another guy. Like, whatever. We'll just go – we'll go take him yard. No, exactly, but the, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to get you out here. I, got, I have two questions for you, though, and these are sort of off-the-wall funny. I, I have to address something that Chris Cullen said on the show, and I, I wasn't planning oh, on bringing it up, but I had – and not even directly about you, but I just – I have to get your opinion on it because you're a buddy of his. You played with him, so you would know better than anybody else. We, we got – honestly, we got kind of sidetracked, started talking about some of his favorite memories as far as, like, you guys being out and about in Columbia and, you know, the Mondays. Oh, no at, doubt, yeah. Mondays at Olympia Pool and all the good stuff, all, all the fun stuff outside of the baseball field. But he made the comment that he was the – out of you guys, he was, as far as being a ladies' man, he was the, the best. Out of, he had the most game. That's exactly what he said, actually. He said he had, the, he had the most game of any – I asked him who on the team had the most game, and he, he – uh, he, he said himself. So I was curious to get kind of – I'm sort of trying to okay. validate that. Is, is, there, is there any truth that – I don't want to get you in any trouble, obviously, but, uh, I mean, what, what do you think about Chris Cullen, a college baseball player, professional ladies, man? I mean, is there any truth to that at all? I'll tell you what, Chris, Chris did all right with, with women. He, <laughs> he, he knew what he was doing. I mean, he, 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 uh, he knew how to treat a woman. He, he, he was a man. Um, now, looking back, I don't know. I'd have to think about who was the ladies' man of that team. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but Chris, no, Chris, 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 Chris did all right. He, he was a charmer. I mean, he, you know, him being six, six, good looking dude, that doesn't hurt. I mean, that's, you can't, I mean, there's, there's no way around that. You, that doesn't hurt, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to, I can't give him that title of being the ladies man of the team. Um, there were, there are a few killers on that team, but I don't know. I, so, for, so for now, I, 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 are I you, can agree with that though. You're you're a little more humble that, and won't, you're a little more humble and won't nominate yourself. I'm assuming, even with the muscle. No, 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 no. Because no. the the, the no, minor league picture it? that's that's one of the all timers. That mustache is pretty phenomenal. Oh lord, I know it. We we all because we can't grow facial hair, so mm. we all just grow. Well, I guess we can grow facial hair, but it's only allowed to be a mustache. So. Wow. The guys that can grow it, they grow we grow it good. So now did you did you no, have but, the mustache uh, last year during that, that good year? I did. I so did. it has to stick um, around then I imagine. I mean there's no way you can cut it off. Yeah, my girlfriend despises it, but I mean I, I, I tell her she'll be all right. She'll be all right. It's I like Bull Durham. It, so you have right. to you have to respect the streak. I mean, there's just no other way around exactly. it. Exactly. Mean, you have yep. to. <laughs> no, it's that's a – when it comes to superstitions, when it comes to facial hair, that's about the top of top of the list. So, oh, for sure. I remember. I do remember at one point. I, I I'll tell you this, this is a good story. Um, this year, I think I went on like an 18 game hit streak. I want to say it might have honestly. I think it actually might have been a 20, 20 or 20. It was something. It was somewhere from 18 to 21. As I know that, and I remember I had a real thick mustache, and you know it got to maybe like five games or six games, you know, just playing good, whatever. And they're like, oh, dude, like, little hit streak, like, all right, what's going on? And I told them, I was like, all right, I'll make you a deal just to get, keep it going. 
I said, I'll shave my mustache off when I go over. And so the funny, and you know, it turns out funny, like two and a half weeks later is my next offer. <laughs> and so, but then it, it turned to the point where there were dudes on the team that would start growing out their mustaches and they'd shave when they go over. And so like the joke on our team was like when guys started growing a little bit of stubble above their lip, then they were hitting good. <laughs> and so like, you know, and then if they started with their mustache and they were hitting real good. So no, that was, that's just like the kind of the fun, like the clubhouse, the locker room fun on a baseball field that not, not every, like not your average person would understand. That's so awesome. So last question, Alex, I'll get you out of here. When you look back on your mm -hmm. career at South Carolina, um, when you take a look back at your time in Garnet and Black, what's maybe the best memory or maybe funniest story you have while you were at Carolina? Um, I would have to go best memory. I, this is quick. If I thought d deeper, I might get a better one. But <laughs> right off the rip, I would have to go with when we got out of that regional and we came out, we ended up winning that regional. That was pretty cool. Um, I, I do remember when we lost Friday night, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big Chad Holbrook guy. I'm a pro Chad for everything. And when we ended up getting out of that regional, me, him, I don't remember who was sitting beside me. We were at the podium and in the back of my head, I'm thinking about how bad people were bashing the program Friday night when we lost to Rhode Island. And I remember sitting beside coach Holbrook and just talking and then I'd pause or whoever else was talking. And he, I just remember how proud he looked just kind of leading us through that and get, getting us to the point where we came out of that region, you know, against all odds, it, it's tough to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up doing it. And that was looking back kind of the play, you know, like I said, I, I was, I was playing good. Like the team was playing great. Hunter, who's one of my best friends here. He had a, you know, he had a good regional. So everything was just really good for that weekend. Um, and then, you know, seeing coach kind of his emotion and kind of that, that look of like a proud, just a proud coach just sitting there. I mean, that was, that was kind of the cherry on top. So I would have to say just right now, that'd be the best memory looking back. Um, funniest story. There's so much, I tell you what, there's so much stuff me and Hunter Taylor got into. I got, I got some good, I can't say nothing. I, I don't think I can say anything on here. He, he'll drive from Virginia. He come down here, kick my ass if I said everything about him. <laughs> I tell you what, he he come he come he come beat me up if I did that. But <laughs> no, we uh, let, let me see what do we got. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of ones that are like PG-ish. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you if you catch me if you catch me away from here, I got, I got some good ones. But um, let's see. No, Hunter, the thing about Hunter and TJ Hopkins is a guy that was like Hunter. They would get, they would get weird pregame. They were those type of guys. They would be just the kind of, if you want to talk to me, it's kind of, it's on you. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> that's on you. I don't know what I'm going to say, but it's, it, get ready. Cause like, those were the guys when they, when they were ready to roll, they were ready to roll. Um, and so I remember there'd be times where I'd be talking to Hunter, he wouldn't say a word, and then, you know, he'd freak out or he'd, you know, make a big hit and come in the dugout throwing hands and just going insane. But funny away from the field stories, those are kind of for a uh, – <laughs> those, those might not be for the, uh, the listener crowd. 
We'll we'll, but, we'll um, save them. We'll save them for a rainy day at the ball field. How about that? We'll save them. Yeah, for it, yeah if you catch if you catch me out somewhere, I got I got I got a story. I got a list of them, but no, nah, that's for a rainy day. I think. Well, good stuff. Well, Alex, really do appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, really would love to get you back on, and best of luck this upcoming season for sure. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you, man. Absolutely. So for Alex Cicino, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.